Hello, Dan K Show fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Dan K Show Presents Junior Hockey, the greatest hockey podcast in all the land, the greatest junior hockey podcast in all the land. And up on the general podcast charts, we're working our way up. We got to get past a couple of NPR guys. We got to get past a couple of other, you know, maybe an economics podcast or two. But in the realm of hockey and junior hockey, we certainly are number one. And we're going to talk about a guy who is also number one in the realm of junior hockey. That's the man with the dankest name in sports. It's Dan Kay. Wow, number one, Lucas. I'll take that one. And you know what, folks? I'm going to promise you one thing. We are going to be more entertaining than any of those uh, NPR podcasts that might be ahead of us in the rankings right now because we are going to be talking hockey action. We're going to be talking Carolina Junior Canes this week, and we are going to have Head coach of the Junior Canes, Kevin St. Jacques, on with us this week. Coach, how's it going? It's going good, Dan. Thanks for having me. And now we are excited to have Coach on. We're going to get back to him in a minute. But first, we have to pay the bills here at the Dan K Show. And first, we remind you that the Dan K Show is presented by the United States Premier Hockey League, the Premier Hockey League. This is a junior hockey league that spans nationwide with the addition of the West Coast this year. Lucas and I are going to have a chance to go to places like San Diego. We're going to have a chance to go out to Colorado. We're going to have the whole country to cover hockey for this year. The USPHL, you want to find out more to go to the USPHL.com to find out everything you need to know. Keep an eye out for those combines coming up this month. Next up, we go to the reviews, Lucas. And each week, you talk about a beer that hockey parents may want to take on their next road trip with them. I talk a little bit about the game of coffee. Lucas, your beer this week. Well, Dan, continuing our, our sort of rebooted theme on beer this week, I've selected something that is so ubiquitous, I feel like it gets overlooked. Um, and that's Dale's Pale Ale. And Dale's Pale Ale is a pretty unique beer, not just because of the packaging. I mean, the packaging is it's bright blue with the red oval and Dale's stamped on the front. You can get a 12-pack of cans for about 17 bucks. Uh, I have selected a Tallboy can, which I got uh, from my local store a couple of days ago. But it is brewed by Oscar Blues um, out in Colorado. Um, it's it's a, an interesting beer. It definitely is not a beer that shies away from its flavor, Dan. So if you're on the road and you're looking for something you can find pretty much anywhere and you like a stronger beer, this might be one of them. Let's get a, a fresh sip. Well, it's definitely falls under the category of pale ale, but it is dangerously close to an IPA. So if you like IPAs, if you like fresher beers, if you like that piney IPA flavor, like you just took a, like a bite out of a Christmas tree, um, this is that scaled back. So it's a nice blend between people who really like IPAs and people like myself who get kind of burned out on them from time to time. But it's a good beer with strong flavors. Um, it is... Uh, Hovering around that five and a half percent alcohol, so it gets a little extra kick there. Oh, sorry, no, six point five percent alcohol. Apparently, it's too early for me to read, Dan. Um, this is a really great beer um, from a great brewery that does a lot of uh, a lot of great work inside their community. Do you uh, do you have a score for me, Lucas? Um, I think that this beer is not necessarily my cup of tea personally, um, 
I am currently burned out on IPAs. So if we circled back around to Dale's Pale Ale in about three months, that might be a bit of a different story. Um, but right now, I think I'm burned out on them because it's getting close to summer and everybody's releasing them. Um, so right now, I would give this beer probably a 6-3. Because like I, it. Okay. It, it is a good beer, and I do like it. But right now, at this moment, I think I'm more burned out on IPAs than I might have realized until I took my first sip of Dale's. All right. Well, I'm going to jump into the coffee side. And this week I went to, uh, I mean, this, this brand is not only a description for the Dan K show itself, it's chock full of nuts. And, and this one is the, the donut shop edition. You find it anywhere in the country. Lucas, I know you started going for beers that were more readily available. So this week I wanted to go as readily available as possible. And this is my go-to chock full of nuts, donut shop in the morning, no better way to wake up. Fun story about Chock Full of Nuts. They actually used to be a company that made nuts, sold nuts, distributed nuts. Hey, they made a little bit of coffee one time, and everyone liked the coffee a lot more. So they said, hey, let, better margins in the coffee game. Let's stop making nuts. Never change the name of the business. They should be Chock Full of Coffee. They're still Chock Full of Nuts. I give this one – it's Chock Full of Flavor, Lucas. And I'm going to say it's an 8.3 when it comes to just regular coffee, something I can drink in the morning, something I can get myself ready to go with. And this coffee has me ready to go this week to talk to Kevin St. Jock, head coach of the Carolina Junior Canes. And it's time for the free skate. It's an opportunity for us to talk a little bit about where we've all been, how things have been going. And first, coach, I start this with you, an Edmonton, Alberta native. And, and now you're down there in Carolina, in the southeast of the U.S., coaching hockey. Can you talk a little bit about the, the hockey community there and how you've kind of taken your Canadian background in the game of hockey into that unique market? Uh, I don't know where to start. Um, you know, I, I think it's, you know, obviously playing pro hockey. I, I played some hockey against uh, owner Jocelyn Langlois. Um, and, you know, obviously against the Eagles program when I was coaching in Atlanta. So I think, you know, once I found that I needed to look for a change of scenery or, you know, our ownership in Atlanta was changing groups. Uh, my first call was to Jocelyn and it seemed like a really good fit. And, you know, here we are today, but uh, the community down here, obviously with the NHL team, uh, Brenda Moore and Jeff Daniels and, uh, you know, Jason Mazzotti, goalie coach, and Dean Chanel is the defense coach. You know, these are guys that I've, you know, I know vaguely. I played with Jason. I've, you know, been in the same uh, organization with Dean and got to bump elbows with Rod and Jeff Daniels. So, you know, I think just the NHL team obviously brings the excitement. And then the youth program has, you know, just follow suit. And it's been, it's been great for me and my family. And now you guys have that, that Junior Canes logo now on that Carolina franchise, on that organization. Can you talk a little bit about how important that has been just in, in kind of promoting the team itself, promoting the work of everyone there with the organization, having that Carolina Hurricanes logo? Yeah, I think it's uh, – obviously it's a huge thing uh, to have the NHL team back in your, you know, your program and, you know, in a big hockey community, there's other programs here as well, but I don't think, you know, they provide what we as an organization provide. And, uh, we, you know, we talk about being school first, driven at the junior, uh, you know, ranks. And we want to move kids to college. That's our whole goal. Yes, we want to win. Of course, winning is, you know, important. But at the end of the day, it's moving the kids on to college. And as you guys know, there's obviously several levels, D3, 
D1, ACHA 1, 2, and 3. So it's all about what every player is looking for and, you know, can afford. Yeah, and, and that's something that's so important, right? It's understanding that there's not one destination. A lot of times in, in this game, in this, in this junior hockey run, we all, get, we all get stuck or fixated on one place that we need to go, and, and we forget what it's all about. It's about getting that education, moving on to the next level, not just creating players on the ice, but off the ice. And now, Coach, I, we've always been impressed kind of this year we got a chance to see a lot of junior camp hockey, especially with how well you all were playing down there. And I, Lucas, I just threw a y'all in there. I felt very Southern. That was not on purpose. <laughs> I think, I, I think I'm, I'm catching the Southern fever right now. But with, with how, how well a hockey you guys have been playing down there, we got to cover a lot of you. And, and your team, it wasn't just the personality once the boys took the ice. It's the, it's the guys that they were off the ice as well. How do you cultivate that culture so well down there in Carolina? Well, it's, it's tough. Every year, you know, um, you know, trying to recruit players. I mean, I think uh, from an organizational standpoint, we try to recruit character first, um, you know, and develop players' skills and, and uh, systematic stuff on the ice. But, you know, if you have a good group of leaders, uh, it's, it, it helps. And I think, you know, when you look at the top teams, the you know, the Rush, the Hampton Roads Whalers, you know, when Ozzy and those guys were there, you know, there was a lot of, you know, similar pieces every year so they were able to establish the culture and then once you have that done it's it's you know kind of stays in place and with us moving into our new rink I thought last year was a, a big year for us because we wanted to establish who we are as a program who we are as on the ice and off the ice as much as we can because moving into a new facility I think you know obviously is a is a pretty good perk for us as well as being the NHL's practice facility, which we'll see them, you know, a lot this year. So we wanted to make sure we we hit hard on, you know, who we are as people and as a program. And I think we did that. And, you know, unfortunately, the season was cut short, but I would have liked to see where it ended up. Yeah, and that, that was the most amazing thing this year was obviously dealing with, with that COVID-19 with the season being cut short, teams getting ready to take on each other in the playoffs and not having a chance to take the ice. I mean, we will get to that in a bit. But first, I want to talk about this new, the, the new digs, the new stadium, the new building here. The, can you talk a little bit about what a player coming into the Junior Canes organization can expect this year from their new building, from their new home, and, and what will it look like for everybody showing up? Um, well, it's obviously, you know, very nice facility and state-of-the-art and two-sheet two facility. Uh, the NHL team has, you know, the downstairs. They pretty much have the entire downstairs along one side of the rink. Um, and we are upstairs uh, with both of our locker rooms, our coach's office. Uh, we have a indoor, um, what do you call it, warm-up area that the guys will warm up upstairs. Um, there's lots of glass, so it's it's lots of viewing areas. Um, two big locker rooms, which is great for us. And, you know, and then we have two colleges. I believe Duke and North Carolina State are have their hockey programs inside our building as well. So it's it's just been, uh, you know, it's, it's a great perk for us as a program. Um, obviously, I believe it'll be a recruiting tool. You'd be crazy not to want to complain a new facility. 
Uh, and then we get to host the, you know, the first showcase. So we're very excited down here in North Carolina. Before we move into the Q&A, we're talking about being near that pro team. Thoughts on the storm surge? I, I know that they were the bunch of jerks for a little bit. How, how do you feel? Your guys, you, do you allow a storm surge at the end of the game, a little celebration after a win? Uh, well, we don't take it to that, uh, that extreme, but that is awesome. I think, you know, you, everybody knows that what kind of excitement it brought to this city. Um, and, you know, when I say the city, you think of all the young hockey players and the excitement it brings. And, you know, we definitely have our songs that we sing and dance to after games, um, that, you know, in our locker room. But uh, I, I think, you know, hockey's a great sport and you have to have fun. Uh, winning is fun. And, you know, so it takes a lot because obviously in our division, you know, winning doesn't come easy. And so I think when you you do win, you have to let off the steam, but you also got to remember that, you know, that's just one day. Yeah, Coach, I happen to remember a little game in Richmond, Virginia, when the Dan K show was down there and brought all the bells and whistles. And you guys went out there and got a big W. And, and I remember you guys running off the ice with the players making a little tunnel for you as you entered the locker room. That was a that was a big win for the Junior Canes that year, too, toward, for playoff position. Yeah, we, you know, like I said, we had two great teams last year. Uh, the Premier, you know, we, uh, I think we were in first place through the first 12 or 13 games. And then we lost the four players to season-ending injury. So that really put a hurt on us. And then, obviously, we had to call up the Villanovas and the Jackson Collins from Elite. Uh, and then they ran through, I think, I think at one point we had 10 injuries that were three or four weeks in length. So we were depleted and the elite team had, uh, I think they started what 12 and 0 or 14 and 0 or something like that. And, uh, you know, they obviously they weathered the storm and came back to get, uh, uh, third place. We weathered the storm because obviously Potomac had a great year at the premier level and, you know, we were able to make playoffs and, and, you know, and play Charlotte and, you know, it's just when you play teams like that, you have to be full staffed. If you're short, the Richmonds, the Hamptons, the Charlottes, they're, you know, you can't compete if you're not at full uh, capabilities or full service, I guess you would say, or full teams. And that is a perfect transition because we're going to get into the Q&A now, folks, and we're going to talk about potentially the best division in junior hockey, the USPHL Southeast, just how Coach and his boys navigate that league on a day-in, week-out, week-out, a week-in, week-out basis. And Lucas is going to take that away. Lucas, first up. Now we get into this Q&A session, and I think one of the things that's really important to, to talk about, uh, especially when we're talking about the Junior Canes, is to sort of set the context and set the tone for the type of squad we're talking about. Now, Coach already, you know, sort of briefly touched on some of the injuries that befell that team. And, you know, when you've got a premier and elite team, it's always a bit of a give and take with calling some players up versus leaving them down in the elite. But this Carolina Junior Canes team, absolutely impressed and anyone who was watching and paying attention saw how good this team was the elite and premier level saw how much depth they had when they had to call up injuries and I think that's really important to to sort of start out with and coach the question I want to ask you to start off with as well is 
is to talk about the successes of the team this year at both levels. You know, it, it came down to great offense, great defense, especially at that elite level. But what are some of the things that went into your team's success this year, especially in the tough division? Well, thanks, Lucas. Uh, you know, anytime you, you get praise like that, it, it's very, obviously, it's humbling and it's, uh, it's welcoming. Um, you know, but obviously, it's not me by myself. Obviously, Brad Gaylord and John Miles are part of the coaching staff. And, you know, we, we literally sit down and try to figure out the identity of our teams and, and where we want to be. Um, I think when you look at today's hockey, you know, at the NHL level, it, there's a lot of board play. There's a lot of, you know, stretching the ice. Um, so we want to play north. We North-south hockey. We don't want to play, you know, east-west per se. Um, so, you know, you're, you, you go into the successes of our season and you think of how we got to that point. It, it took a lot of repetition and a lot of video to make the kids understand that if you play the system, the system will work for you. As soon as you become an individual outside of a system, that takes away from your team success. And, uh, you know, when we were injured, we had guys stepping in to fill in. We had a few U16 kids come in from our AAA program and they got some practice time, some game time. And, you know, so it's, I think once you get everybody into the system, it doesn't matter whether you're playing elite or premier, the system stays the same. Now, within that system, you're going to have to play quicker, stronger, more physical hockey at the premier level. The elite is not as much. Um, but obviously inside our division, it's tough every single night with the Richmonds, the Hamptons, the the Charlotte, and, you know, Potomac at the premier level. The elite team at Potomac came on near the end of the year, so we always expect them to get better every year. But our successes were just based off of getting ready every day, not looking too far ahead. It was day one, you know, let's finish the job at hand, uh, execution. And, you know, we did have some scoring, which our power play was good at both levels. Our penalty kill was good at both levels. So we really focused in on just being a team and relying on everybody to do their part and not actually depending on one or two players. Yeah, that's that's incredibly important. And, you know, it's one of the things that's always interesting, too, about having teams at multiple levels, especially teams at the elite and the premier level, because you can sort of call guys up. You mentioned you were calling guys up from the younger younger guys down at the 16 level. And that really does help to bolster teams and give you some movement. Now, one of the other things that's interesting, I think, is the depth of your team, I think, is mirrored by the depth of almost every other team in the Southeast. And that has to be, I mean, that, that's intentional. There's a reason why these squads are so deep at the elite and premier level. It comes down to the systems play, as I think you've noted, that you walk into this team and, and there's something there and there's something there for you to hang your hat on. And that's, that's so important. Um, but talk for a minute about playing in the Southeast division, specifically about having to, to battle against these teams and have these back-to-back -back elite premier games where you're, you're basically playing as tough a team in the elite as they are in the premier. So what's it like to have to battle in the Southeast division sort of week in, week out? Uh, it's, it's tough. I mean, um, you know, like I said, it's it, the, the biggest point is, you know, one or two lines isn't going to win you games. You might win, you know, a game here and there, but if you're going to, you know, um, 
it dominate this division, you have to have four lines, six defense, and you have to have good goaltending along with special teams. Uh, I think if you look through our division, you know, there's definitely offense and, you know, there's, there's nights where there's defense and there's nights when it's, you know, you know, a five, four hockey game or a two, one hockey game. And I think our division every night, it's just, it's just a war. It's a battle. It's physical. Um, so, you know, everybody, the health, keeping healthy in our division is huge. I think Hampton went through early in the year last year, they were playing, you know, I think with three or four defense at most, um, you know, and they were, you know, I don't want to say they were struggling. It's hard to say that they struggle, but they, you know, they had a period of time where they were winning one, losing one, uh, Charlotte, I think stayed healthy for the most part, you know, Richmond, same sort of thing early, but you know, us in Hampton with us losing our, you know, four key guys to season ending injuries. Um, and they weren't, you know, they weren't just average players. They were the big meat and potatoes of our lineup um, that brought the physicality and stuff. So then when you go into these other rinks and you're not physically able to, you know, man for man battle, then you know, it becomes long nights and tough nights. And, you know, I think goaltending, I think was pretty even all the way through our division from one to four. Uh, obviously Charlotte's record was a lot better. Um, I think they, I think they finished ahead of everybody by eight points, but I think when you look at Hampton through ours for fourth place, I, you know, I think it was a couple of wins here and a couple of wins there and, you know, the standings flip, but, it's just a battle every night, and I think that's where there's no easy games. I mean, even with Potomac coming down the stretch at the end of the year, our last two games, we had to play them, and they were, I think, two or four points behind us. They needed a win, and, you know, they came in, they beat us one night, we beat them the next night. So there's no easy game or easy night in either ranks. It doesn't matter where the teams are playing. Uh, it's just absolute battles and I think that's why our division is the best division in the USPHL yeah I, I think it certainly says something about your division specifically when a team like Potomac who has admittedly had their share of struggles in past seasons all of a sudden you know you start talking to coaches around the league and and everyone says the same thing it's oh it's it's the year of the Patriots and now you add this this Potomac team who came out of the gate fast and they came out of the gate really good and they only improved as the year went on to only add to the difficulty of the southeast um, but also coach you mentioned having to deal with injuries and so as as a quick question for you here sometimes the injuries are sort of freak injuries obviously you get you know into the boards at a weird angle some open ice hitting but are there anything that you guys try to do or any any quick tips for players about how they might improve their conditioning and avoid some of the more routine injuries, muscle tweaks, things like that? Yeah, it's, it's funny you say that. You know, I, I think a lot of parents and players have to understand that the offseason is the offseason. The offseason isn't for you to, you know, continue going to tournaments and hanging out and doing this and playing on this and playing that. It's, it's literally preparing your body for the upcoming season. Now, everybody wants to do tier two camps, and, and I'm not – saying don't do that but what I'm saying is don't do four or five don't do three or four do one or two because if you're not ready you're not ready 
and you know a lot of times what kids don't understand is that you need to prepare your body you know we got 16 and 17 year olds are coming out of you know triple a thinking that they can just go play tier two it ain't no joke to play tier two if your body your speed your strength isn't ready you're not going to make that level and then and it's there's nothing wrong with it it's just literally understanding where you are as a player and accepting it everybody is different so some kids may have the body and you know what the physicality part they got that good but they you know their speed isn't where it's at so you need to work on your speed and that's why the off season is the off season um this year we we took measures we have our trainers that work with our players uh over at o2 fitness i'll give them a little shout out because they did a great job for us um, but they are strictly building up the bodies, the upper bodies, the shoulder. We had a lot of shoulder injuries last year. Um, so we we took the guys that have signed contracts with us. We send them our workout program and they're training now. And, and then we do testing when they come in in August. So, you know, it's it's, you know, if you want to run a good program and a successful program, then we have to do all the little things right, which I believe we are. And coach, that is that's there's a lot to unpack from that because it's an incredible answer right there. When I look at that, I, I, the first thing I look at is the idea of not overexerting oneself in the off season. I, I feel like we we live in a world now of specialized athletes, right? From the time you're six years old, you're told to pick a sport. Where most of us grew up in a world where we were playing three seasons, four seasons worth of different sports, and You'd get to rest your arm if you were a baseball player. You'd rest your body if you were a football player or a hockey player. You'd, you'd rest your legs if you were a runner. And, and you don't really see that as much anymore. And it's so important to hear from someone like yourself, Coach, a guy who's not just been behind the bench at a high level but been on the ice at a high level. And, and to see that kind of mindset of allow yourself to recharge, still put in the work, but there's other ways to do it. Right now during quarantine, Coach, and we, we kind of moved towards this, where things have it's, – it's a one-of-a-kind environment right now with quarantine, with COVID-19, season shutting down, ice space unavailable. What can players be doing today to get themselves ready to take the ice in September? You know, I, I think creativity, you know, you're, you're going to have to, you know, figure ways out, you know, whether it's – carrying bags of cement on your shoulders or pressing, you know, cement bags or rock or, you know, fertilizer, anything that's of weight, you just do more reps, you know, and if it's too heavy, then you do less reps and you still get a workout in. I think, you know, uh, I think it was Bo Jackson who used to do 1500 pushups and, you know, 3,500 sit-ups a day or 2,500 sit-ups a day, whatever he did. And I mean, he was a pretty big specimen. So you know, yes, the weight rooms are closed, but there's where there's a will, there's a way. Uh, everybody could be doing sprints and lateral work, agility with their feet, you know, because the difference between elite and premier is usually footwork. And, you know, from premier to NCDC or tier two, NA is footwork. So, you know, there's there's where there's a will, there's a way. And I think, you know, a lot of today's athletes, um, you know, again, I don't want to sit and pick on them, but I think because the computers are so good and the, the games are so good that everybody wants to play video games. And I think that that is the answer. And I'll never tell anyone that they can't play video games because I did. But when you're trying to be an athlete, 
that uh, that has to come first. You know, obviously school comes first, athlete second. You know, but the best player in the world, Sidney Crosby, is training and you know i seen videos where he's shooting pucks into his laundry into his you know his dryer and, and you know for accuracy and from different angles and where there's a will there's a way now i, I don't want to say everybody's got to go buy a new dryer because tons of pucks or anything but you know creativity and just opening your mind and you know what you know I'll, I'll use a kid by the name of cullen rush who played for me a couple of years back he played in the na last year with austin but you know, I told him in the off season, I said, don't go to every camp. If you want my advice, I'll give you my advice. Build your body up and then learn to skate because skating is the most important thing at the next level. So if kids are at the elite level, if you want to skate and play at Premier, you got to be able to skate. And if you're at Premier and you want to move up to NCDC, guess what? You got to be able to skate. So then you move up from there, you know, the college ranks, the pro ranks, whatever. You, if you can't skate, you're never going to make the next step. Yeah, and the amount of times, just to, for parents and players out there, the amount of times Lucas and I are sitting in a scout room in between broadcasts and you hear, you hear a coach, you hear a scout, you hear someone say, this kid's, this kid's real good, we're just going to have to skate him or we got to get him on the ice. Or, you know, the, the amount of times – the game of hockey, it seems simple to say, but it, the importance of skating importance of continuing to get out and skate the, the importance of of really perfecting your craft when it comes to getting around the ice and getting to the right places it's so important and and it's something that every single scout will pick out and and it's something to keep an eye on and and you know and the other the other thing that you know like you mentioned the scouts and you know we all us what people don't understand is the scouts we're all hockey guys. So we all know and understand that there's some aspects of the games. Like if you're playing on a, you know, on a not so great team, you're still a good player. We want to see the hockey plays. We want to see the hockey moves. We want to see body language. You know, so many kids think that scoring goals is important. And don't get me wrong. It is, you know, you want to score goals and you want to be a part, but not everybody on every high level team is a 50 goal scorer or a 30 goal scorer there are such things as role players. And if you play your role to a T, then you'll get to the next level of what the role is. You know, we don't want you to focus in on just that at this level. Obviously, I think players need to work on their offensive stuff and, but, and their defensive stuff as well. But at the end of the day, if you're a role player, it's okay to be a role player. And I think too many coaches focus in on, you know, hey, you know, you need to score. We need to do this. Well, no, you know, don't change who the kid is. Make him ad adapt to his skill set so he can play at the next level, play more minutes. But it's fine to be a role player. It is totally fine. Yeah, and, and I mean, see that in a guy like Jonathan Davenport with your teams here in past years, a guy who, who we've, who's always stood out to me as a player who's willing to take on a role that he needs to fit into to make the team better. And, and that's something that comes from your guys' programs, and it's something you need in that USPHL Southeast division. Now, Coach, I want to jump back into this division a little bit more because, obviously, as a head coach, it is a tough job week in and week out. We look at your guys' record this year. Outside of the Southeast division, 15-6. and six. And that includes half of those losses coming to a Colonials team who you played a ton last year and had a chance to see you guys a bunch. And you caught them one weekend with a few injuries. So you, 
this is a team that could have easily been undefeated outside the division. And could you talk a little about, let's get into the coaches that you coach against, right? You get to coach against the Gattos of the world, the RC likes, you get to coach against the Trevor Jewels. There's, there's a lot of personality behind the bench in this Southeast division. What's the coach V coach matchup like each and every weekend? Well, I think, you know, I think it varies. Um, obviously, I think every coach in our division is intense. I think the, you know, when it comes to the inner division, there's, you know, there's a lot of pride on the line. You know, I, I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I don't want to beat Charlotte every single time. And us going 0-6 or 0-8 last year against them, you know, didn't bother me. It, it bothered me. But, you know, I think the intensity from the coaches um, – you know, but I think at the end of the day, they're, we're all hockey guys. And so, you know, I think each one of them has a different characteristic. You know, I, I've, Greg Gatto, I've lived, you know, next to when I played junior in Lethbridge. His, he lived literally across the street in the, in the cul-de-sac. Um, so I've known Gats for a while. I've, you know, I've known RC. I played against RC and uh, Ryan Crothers. I played against him at the, you know, in the East Coast Hockey League when he was in Utah. So, you know, they're they're good hockey guys in running their programs. Um, you know, but I think they're just everybody wants to win so bad. And I think it's it's that that drives, you know, it starts at the top and then it goes right through the roster. And so, you know, I, I can't tell you that, you know, Charlotte, when they get you down, they want to stomp you. I mean, that's their mentality and I think we know that. So it's you know it, early in the year and early in games, you have to, you have to be ready to answer the bell with them. And if you're not, they're going to stomp you. That's just how they are. You know, it's no secret. Richmond, I think plays the same sort of thing. Hampton's a different, you know, animal. They, they play with speed and they just keep coming in waves and after wave after wave. And, you know, Potomac this year was, you know, just never quit. Like they had great goaltending. Um, I'd say every every team in our league had great goaltending. I mean, I think that's what our division's so good. I think from lines one through four, defense one through six, and goaltenders one through three, everybody is solid. And so there's, it's it comes down to coaching. It comes down to getting a little lady luck on your side, maybe a power play goal, special teams. But you know, every night it's a battle, and it's 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 fun from a coaching standpoint. But it's like the players. I think get ramped up and, you know, one team, if you're not ready to start of a game, like you can easily fall behind. And now we, we look at this Southeast division and you see not just the success in recruiting, right? Guys are going to the next level out of all your organizations there out of the five in the Southeast, but guys are succeeding at the next level. And one thing you touched upon a little earlier than this were what it takes to be ready to play tier two hockey. Right. And it's not just about that. It's what it takes to be ready to play Division three hockey, Division one hockey, to go play in the ACHA at some of the higher level level programs there. It takes preparation and it takes a different level of ability. And you guys seem to be churning that out. Can you talk to a player at home? What what does it do for a player to play against this type of competition day in and day out? What, What does that do for a player's deportment? Well, I, I think it just prepares you. I mean, you know, if you got kids that go from our, our division up to Canada, I think, you know, the Canadian hockey might be a little more physical. Um, it prepares them, you know, and I think the speed and the skill of the game obviously prepares them for tier two. 
but the 20 year olds that are leaving our programs to go to college, um, it prepares them to play against 24 and 25 year olds their freshman year. Um, you know, I just think that you're weathered, you know, you're, you're prepared and you've been in battles, you've been in tight games, you've been in physical games. And I think that's the difference from our division um, to the other divisions. I think from one through five that, you know, we, we provide that. And, you know, I'm not saying that every division is lesser than ours, but I don't think from team one through team five, it's as, as physical and demanding every single night. Yeah. It, I mean, we watch it, we watch it week in and week out, whether we're down there ourselves physically or watching you guys on hockey TV, it's just, it's a battle Royale. And, and Lucas and I talk about it every time we got to put together our power rankings once a month and it's hard to keep any team from the Southeast out of the top 10. I mean, we, every single month this year, we had all five teams factored in, in those premier power rankings, sitting in the top 10 to 15 teams in the entire country in what is it in a large premier league that's gotten larger this year with the addition of the West. And coach, I want to talk to you, you referenced Jocelyn, owner of the squad and, and also owner of the Charlotte rush down there and working with the Charleston colonials as well. This is a guy that's been so big for the game of hockey and the growth of it in markets throughout the Southeast. Can you, can you talk a little bit about what it's like to, to get to work with someone who's kind of putting in his day in and day out effort into building hockey markets down there? Yeah. I mean, Joss has been great. I mean, you know, I think, you know, you got Jocelyn and Lincoln flag who's been around forever. Um, everybody everywhere seems to know link. Um, but you know, Jocelyn just, you know, everything's done right. Everything's professionally done. Um, you know, there's no, there's no surprises. He wants us to do our work. We have meetings every week. We talk about players. We talk about the program. The great thing about being in a, a coaching spot with Jocelyn is he includes us in the, the decisions. Obviously, the, the business side of things, like, you know, I don't have a clue what goes on. But as far as what we want to do as our program, he takes everyone's insight. And, you know, I think when an owner does that, then as coaches, you, you feel like he has your back. And I think that's one of the best qualities um, of our program is, you know, from myself, John Miles, Brad, Lincoln, and, and Jocelyn, we have each other's back. And so, you know, we all agree the game should be played a, a similar way. We all agree that when we recruit players, we do our research on them. We talk to their families. It's, there's a big process that goes. We don't just sign players to sign players. We want the right players. It doesn't have to be the best players, but we definitely want the right players. And, you know, and, then, and just working to, together with these guys makes it fun every day to go to the rink. And that's what it's about. Hey, you talk about Lincoln flag. Lincoln, last time I saw him, he was chirping me. He had a better tie on than I had. He, he, <laughs> he was chirping me down in Florida at the, at the Tampa showcase there. And, uh, and, and I had to give him the win. He was, he was looking better than I was that day. Well, the link. He's been around, man. He's been around. Oh, man. He is, he's one of a kind. And with, we're going to go to one more question here before we jump into Lucas's academic corner here. Then we'll come back after that, and, and I'll ask you for your parting words for the show. But the, the last question i got to ask you, and it's something I ask at the end of each interview, each podcast, to every, every organizational rep that comes in, why the Carolina Junior Hurricanes? Why is that the right choice for a player, a parent, 
why should I send my son to the Carolina Junior Hurricanes? Well, I think first and foremost, we, we model ourselves as, you know, school first. We, we want the kids' education ahead of everything else. Um, but, you know, if you send your son to us, the, he will become a better human being and a better hockey player. And I think being, you know, a good human is going to get you a long way in life as well. You know, hockey's a great sport, Dan, Lucas. And, you know, it's, it's the, the way that you treat the other people around you is going to help you because every person that you can influence will open doors for you if you're a good person. So I think, you know, that's part of our program. We want to build the players, you know, obviously good, into good hockey players, but better yet into better people. Um, and I think that that's, uh, you know, pretty much the reason that uh, our program is, you know, top notch. I love it. And, and this is a Carolina Junior Canes team that this year it was such a great relationship with the fan base of the Junior Canes. I mean, we went down to the Southeast Showcase in early September, folks, and we did 20 games over three days. And somehow the schedule didn't work out for us to get a, a Carolina Junior Canes elite game in. And they were going 12-0, and 0, beating everybody by a billion. And we got chirped so hard by the fan base down there in Carolina for not getting on a broadcast. And then, I mean, we, we wound up building a rapport with the fans all year. This is an organization that cares, ladies and gentlemen. It's an organization that we put our stamp of approval on each and every week on the Dan K Show. And it's a place where this team is not just going to be competitive for years to come. There are trophies that are looking to enter the case, if not this year, very, very soon. We're going to come back with parting words with Coach St. Jacques in a moment. But first, we're going to jump over to Lucas Jones because we remind the parents and players at home this offseason and the regular season, it's not just about the game of hockey. It's also about education and academics as well. Lucas, the academic corner, take it away. Thanks, Dan. You know, when, when I was in uh, Algebra 1 back in, I believe it was 7th or 8th grade, um, my Algebra 1 teacher said, we can't use calculators. And when we said, well, why not? And she goes, well, because you're not always going to have a calculator in your pocket. Uh, that might go down in history as one of the most wrong things that anyone might have ever said, uh, because not only are we carrying calculators in our pocket, but essentially also computers in our pocket every day. But I think there is some really good advice behind that. And that's going to be my advice for today is to put away the calculator because a lot of what the standardized tests these days that help students get into college and help colleges make determinations along with your GPA of how much scholarship money you might get or whether you'll be admitted is the SAT has a non-calculator section. And even the calculator sections on the ACT and the SAT are specifically designed to make it difficult to use a calculator. Even if you do use a calculator, the problems take so much more time than if you did them by hand that you won't finish the test and you won't get to answer questions, and you'll lose points. So my advice today is when you're practicing your math at home, when you're working on your problems, when you're learning your topics, don't use a calculator. Force yourself to build your skills with pen and paper and your own brain. Long division will never go out of style. Multiplication will never go out of style. If you need to use a special method, they've got box and plot, they've got box and strike methods, go for it. But at the end of the day, you need to be able 
to utilize your skills without the aid of a calculator or a computer because you're not going to have them all the time. And even when you do, it might not be the smartest way to go. What a great job there by Lucas Jones, the academic man. And Lucas, I have, even with a calculator in my pocket, I am still pretty bad at math. <laughs> well, it does not help me very much. It, it's, it's amazing because, you know, I, I, as people know, I, I work as a tutor. And one of the biggest things that I find with students who are struggling on the test is that their mechanical math skills are not up to snuff. They know the, the, the actual topics but they have trouble multiplying and dividing large numbers. And that's, it, it's just one of those things. It's such a simple fix and it can get you so many more points on these tests. It's so, so big. If, if anybody wants to find out more from Lucas or needs some help educationally, academically, make sure to reach out to www.dankshow.com. We also remind you that today's podcast and all podcasts for the Dan K show are brought to you by the USPHL. That's the United States Premier Hockey League. Make sure to check out information on the upcoming Chicago Combine being held in Dyer, Indiana. That'll be coming up in just two weeks here. So head over to USPHL.com to find out more. With that in mind, we go to our parting words, our final words for the podcast. We'll start with Lucas. Go to Coach next, and then I will close it out as I do each and every week. Lucas, your parting word. Yet again, Lucas, beautiful. Beautiful parting words. Lucas is undefeated in parting words. He has never had any parting words, and he will continue to not have any parting words. So, Coach, we will go to you. I hope you are more verbose than Lucas. <laughs> yes, well, that, that speechless is always good. But uh, first, I want to thank you guys for having us, uh, you know, on the show, talking about our program. I think, uh, obviously, the Junior Canes, we do things right. We make everyone feel as part of a family. Our goal, our motto is, you know, one family, one goal. And uh, we're a school first program. And we, you know, if you'd love to send your kid down to us here in Raleigh, North Carolina, we'd love to have them. Um, give us a call, shoot us an email, whatever you have to do. But, uh, you know, definitely great being here in Raleigh, North Carolina, my family and to everyone out there, you know, go Canes. Love it. And Coach St. Jock, we thank you for coming on. My parting words this week, it's going to be the word if. And, and right now we're obviously there is a, a lot going on in the world here, a lot going on nationwide, a lot going on in the political spectrum, a lot going on in the hockey world, trying to get back to normalcy, whether it comes to sports, life, anything. We are all trying to scrape and claw to get back to normalcy. And, and the word if, the reason why I say it this week, is I suggest that every parent, every player out there dealing with perseverance, dealing with trying to wrap their head around these trying times, to check out Rudyard Kipling's If. It's a, an incredible poem, one of my favorites, something that I had up my wall as an athlete uh, dealing with trying to make it through the collegiate ranks, trying to pass classes and and win games, trying to keep myself on the starting roster every day out as a, as a pitcher at the collegiate ranks. And I, I suggest for sure, check out If by Rudyard Kipling, give it a read, and remind yourselves that dealing with perseverance is a privilege. It's a privilege to deal with perseverance. It's a, de it's a privilege for us all to find a way to band together, to work together, and continue to matriculate forward. Let's keep getting better each and every day. Reminder. It may be the off season. You may still be in quarantine in some parts of the country. Other parts you're starting to open back up, but do not forget to continue to put the work in, continue to pound the rock, continue to battle. Let's go. Let's get to the next level. 
We thank again Coach Kevin St. Jock, head coach of the Premier Carolina Junior Hurricanes. We thank Jocelyn for helping us out with getting our guests this week. And incredible organization down there in Carolina. If you want to learn more, check out the Carolina Junior Hurricanes. You can check them out at usphl.com. And it is an organization on the ride. And I'll tell you what, they also have the best, the best unis in the game. Absolute beautiful unis for the Carolina Junior Hurricanes. You can also go to www.carolinajuniorhurricanes.org for more as well, or usphljuniorcanes.com if you're looking for the, uh, the USPHL bunch. When Dan K's on the mic, it is always hockey night. Keep watching the Dan K show.